This is Move to Miami, real estate, lifestyle, family. I'm your host, Adam Zeifer. And I'm your host, Amber Berger. We are Miami natives and the brother-sister duo behind the Zeifer Burger team. We want to take you behind the scenes of different neighborhoods that comprise South Florida's largest real estate boom, especially where we grew up in. Val Harbor, Bay Harbor Islands, and Surfside. You'll learn the ins and outs of real family life in Miami. From the schools to the parks, the different communities, demand per area, development opportunities, traffic tips, city governance, and more. All right, we would like to welcome Mayor Shlomo Danziger, the mayor of Surfside. Thank you, Adam. It is a pleasure to be here. Welcome. We're so excited to have you today. Not as excited as I am to be here. Surfside has a ton of history between 88th and 96th Street, between Collins Avenue and Bay Drive, founded on May 18th, 1935. They just celebrated their 88th birthday. Happy birthday, Surfside. It was incorporated with 35 members of the Surf Club, which is now famously known as the Four Seasons, and it was a gathering place for the rich and famous. Still is. True. Guests at the time included Frank Sinatra, Elizabeth Taylor, Ava Gardner, Winston Churchill, Dean Martin, and many others. Wish I was there then. If you go there now, maybe you'll see some newer celebrities that are still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, now they're having a comeback. Many celebrities are moving into town, and you can actually check out some of the historic structure at the Four Seasons Hotel at the Surfside. I think I may have actually taken cotillion classes there back in the day. I think you did. I did, right? I, I didn't, so. but I remember dropping you off. It's where I got my manners. <laughs> I don't even know what cotillion is, but I can tell you it is a, it's a very unique structure because they took the old uh, structure and they mixed it in with the modern. I think that is, is very unique. You need to walk in there and see what they've done. It's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's my favorite architecture of all time. That's my happy place. You guys like to talk about the architecture. I like to talk about the food. The food is <laughs> amazing i believe one of the restaurants has a michelin star is that correct yeah just the entire uh vibe of the uh surf club it gives you that old miami feel and charm which well, is to be clear it is open i mean residents come in it's not the, an exclusive you know snobby location everybody comes in it's it's just a beautiful spot Yes, it may be fancy, but it still has a relaxed vibe at the same time. Absolutely. Like much of South Florida, Surfside really began to take off after World War II. We actually have photos in Town Hall of the old Surfside, like before it was developed. And uh, one of our photos is uh, they used to use the beach as a training ground for the soldiers. So it was a firing range. Oh, wow. Surfside was really built around uh, the club back then, you know, which is now the Four Seasons. That is... Like you said, it was the pathway. 91st Street was the pathway from Indian Creek, which was for the rich and exclusive. And they would go to their club on the beach on uh, 91st. And then the town kind of developed off of that. You know, a few stores opened up and some houses. And now you have this amazing city that is is just on the up upward trend. You know. Yes, we didn't even touch upon yet. Indian Creek is kind of a hidden treasure within Surfside as well. It's an island. Yeah, it's a, it's an exclusive island. I think it has 32 or 33 homes, primarily uh, a golf course, which is right off of 91st Street and Surfside. I think that's what's so nice about Surfside. It really is a diverse neighborhood and it's a small neighborhood and they've done such a nice job of really mixing in, you know, no matter what your financial status is, it's mixing in the highs and the lows and you don't feel it when you're there. And that everybody is a true sense of community that everybody can engage and mix, you know, in in activities together. Well, Mayor Danziger is 
right now presiding over Surfside. Where are you from and what made you move to Surfside? So that was a journey to uh, better weather, I guess. I started off in Canada. I was born in Toronto, Canada. I moved to New York during my teens. I stayed there for school, met my wife, got married, had a couple of kids, and then was just looking for a better quality of life, which led me down here to South Florida. I happened to bump into Surfside through the Bay Harbor. Actually, I was living in Bay Harbor for a year or two, and then I purchased my home in Surfside and made that our permanent residence. How long have you been living in Surfside now? About 13 years now. Wow. Trailblazer. Yeah, yeah I'm working my way south. You know, next stop, Columbia. We'll see. <laughs> Well, you picked two great places, Bay Harbor Islands and then Surfside afterwards. Being the mayor of Surfside, I believe your salary is $1 a year. Am I correct? Uh, yes, correct. A whole dollar. So what makes somebody decide, hey, I didn't grow up here. I do love the community and I want to run for mayor and put in a lot of time and effort into a town. So I think there's a few kinds of people that run for office, especially when the salary is a dollar, you know, those looking for a political career. But I mean, with me, it started with community service. I came into the town. I started volunteering for our local synagogue, got involved in our Parks and Recreation Committee. And then from that point, I wanted more of a voice in the direction of the town. And I ran for the council and eventually I ran for mayor. And this is where I find myself. I think it's about community service and, and changing the cities that we live in. That's commendable. That's for sure. I know uh, for myself, I've been to a couple of the town meetings. They could get a little rowdy from time to time with the previous mayor and now not so much actually with you. How would you say that you've differentiated yourself from previous mayors? Um, I mean, one of the items that I came in to address was the decorum within the town. Uh, prior to the collapse of the towers in Surfside, unfortunately, we were in the news quite often for the um, the rowdiness, shall we say, within the commission meetings, with which, which is not uncommon in government. Um, you know, you're talking about uh, stressful items and people are come, come in very passionate. Um, but the idea is to be a professional and understand that, you know, if you have five commissioners or even members of the public, you're bringing in points of views from different parts of the town. And that's what um, diversity is. That means listening to what people have to say, you vote and ultimately coming up with a motion, but still understanding that everybody comes from the right place. It's not about, you know, um, personal animosities. It's not about passions. You have your opinion, they have theirs. And ultimately there's a vote at the end and just respecting each other. And I think we were able to do that. And for the most part, we have a commission that respects each other. We don't always agree with each other, but at the end of the night, we hug it out and you know, <laughs> we continue our, our great relationship that we have. Was there anything specific that you ran upon that, uh, that you really wanted to see changed? And to follow up on that, you know, how has that been going? So, I mean, going back to decorum, it is about you know, respect within the town. I felt that elected officials uh, should project a certain um, level of respect, both for themselves and for office. The reason why I ran, right, that brings us back to why did I run? It's not to get into office, it was to address certain issues that I felt weren't being addressed within the town. I, I had been there for, at that time, about 12 years. Our town started off as a smaller, you know, kind of like a fishing town for retirees, and this has developed into something, the demographics have changed entirely. We have families, children, people that are looking to kind of start their life as opposed to the people that are enjoying their later years. I think the town had to change. So we were looking at issues like walkability. We have thousands of kids now that ride their bikes to schools, to their friends' houses, on their scooters. Big topic that Amber and I brought up last episode yep. about how, you know, South Florida was not built as a walkable town. And now all the municipalities are doing everything that they can to include that into their towns. Yeah, I mean, that goes towards resiliency, that goes for the environment, but as well as we're enhancing our programs in Surfside, which I'm sure we'll get to, 
people are starting to walk to these events and people are starting to realize that, hey, we can't walk through town. It's dangerous. You got to go in and out of parked cars. Unfortunately, solutions like that come at a cost. Something's got to give when you change something. If that's your parking spot, if that's a, a sidewalk being built, you know, on, on what you thought was your easement for years. So somebody's just got to take that lead and that, that plunge and go through it. And that is a project that we've taken on. We're in the middle of a uh, traffic study, which has to be done in order to submit uh, to the county for approval. 14-month study, six-month design process, which started months into office. So hopefully we come back for our next term to kind of complete this and, and bring that vision to our town. You know, you've been living here. How many kids do you have? I have five kids. Five kids. So you obviously started a long time before the kids came. How have you... So Adam and I grew up in Bell Harbor. And would you say that Surfside was sort of a little hidden gem amongst you know, Bell Harbor, Bell Harbor shops, that's sort of what it put it on the map, but nobody really knew what Surfside was. No, Surfside was that hidden gem, as you said. You know, you would tell people where you lived and you'd have to give reference points. You know, Bell Harbor, Sunny Isles, Miami Beach, you know, walk up eight blocks. I think now everybody knows where we are. But again, not just because of the tragedy. We've saw, you know, notable people moving to our community uh, from the from the president's daughter to celebrities that have found residence there. And we're seeing a massive change within the community. That is where the challenge is, right? What made us unique in the first place that brought that out there and to maintain that balance between that small town charm that we have, yet I think we have some of the most uh, expensive apartments uh, in, in the United States. So how do we keep that balance? Because we all want to grow and, and expand, but without turning it into, you know, another South Beach, Miami Beach or something overly commercialized. Absolutely. And how do you plan to do that sort of navigate the balance of the two? We're working on our comprehensive design, which has been much needed to address. Um, I think we have it's it's working a partnership with the developers, the the big players in town and and ensuring that everything that they are building is fitting within that vision. And I think we have a good working relationship with the big players in town. Um, everything they're bringing forward is in line with our vision of the town. They want the same things that we want. And it's it's been a very successful partnership so far. Yeah. What can you tell families who are looking in different neighborhoods about why they should move to Surfside? What are some key differentiators that Surfside has that other towns in South Florida don't? So as Adam said, Surfside is unique, right? Um, it is unique in that balance, as we spoke about before, between the condos, the stores, the shopping centers and the residents. Um, but also it's proximity to the beach. Not many cities have houses across the street from the from the ocean, um, but still have the shopping districts that we have, the restaurants that we have that haven't grown too big. So there is that balance there. But the community center is a gem that very few cities have. It's located right on the beach. So we have our programming there, the, the after school programs. And now we're able to offer swimming community programming, you know, on the grassy areas. This is something that doesn't exist in any other city and that attracts a lot of people here. That's amazing. And you also do have a water slide. Very oh, important. We've got a few water know. slides, <laughs> a, a tot lots exclusively for little kids, you know, splash pads, two parks. Uh, we're working on some others. We're building a community center for tennis, gyms. We're just expanding on the amenities and using our taxpayers to uh, tax money to expand on the amenities for our residents. That's and we're great. focusing on quality of life. That's well, great. I know, Amber, you mentioned that there's some celebrities in Surfside. I know of a few, as you touched upon, which is the Kushner family. There's Tom Brady. I know that just moved into uh, Surfside. I may or may not have done a spoof video on that, but you, I guess you could check it out on your own. Ryan Seacrest, I heard. Ryan Seacrest moving renting. there. So, Typically in small towns, what happens is 
they want to keep everything like it was in 1950s. You know, now you're getting the national spotlight where celebrities and high profile people are moving to the town. How do you accomplish giving the residents that have been here for a long time their still sense of a small beach town feel while also bring the town up to you know, the modern level of having all the different community center, parks, playgrounds, walkability, business center that a modern town needs today? So that's a good question. That is the uh, the hot topic in town. How do you balance the old with the new? You know, there's a lot of zoning that we're trying to protect, and that's the height restrictions within the town that are very delicate balance. You know, you have developers that want to come in and build bigger and, and more space, and, and we're very protective over that. That's even locked in our charter. We would have to go for a referendum for that to change. And I don't think there's anybody, you know, even the developers in town don't want bigger because it devalues their property. Um, there's an aspect, I think, that started in Surfside where they're taking the 12 stories, which is our height uh, restriction. And instead of building 130 units, they're building 27 units or 30 units. And now you have these much higher end condos available. So Surfside differentiates itself from other neighboring towns that on the ocean side, 12 stories is the highest that any developer can build a building. Now, what is the reason for doing a 12-story height limit compared to right next door in uh, Sunny Isles where they have uh, buildings that are 50 stories high? So I don't want to bash Sunny Isles. It's a beautiful city. I'm very friendly with the people out there. But what happens is in a place like Sunny Isles that has a 744-foot building that was just approved, you have that small space between the ocean and the bay, similar to Surfside. I mean, at some points we have four blocks between the ocean and the bay. We're a small coastal community. Uh, Sunny Isles is very similar and it's called Sunny Isles, but it's the city that lives in shade, unfortunately. At certain hours of the day, those tall buildings cast a shadow over the entire residential neighborhood. They don't get to see the sun. So I think the idea was to protect our town in that sense where wherever you go, you can see the sky, you can see the ocean through some of the buildings. There's that light, that air. That's what makes us unique in that sense. And I think that's what we're trying to protect. That's a big thing. When I'm showing clients uh, condos for them to possibly rent or buy, the first thing that I do is I go to the pool. and I said, hey, the pool's located over here. I just want to let you know at four o'clock, do you ever go to the pool at four o'clock in the afternoon? If they say yes, I let them know exactly where that sun's going to be. You know, so there's an expectation of, hey, am I going into a building that has sun on the pool throughout the day? Or am I going to a building where if I'm not there between 10 and 11 a.m., I'm going to miss out and I'm going to be in the shade? So a lot of people have been talking about climate change, more pre-COVID than post-COVID. What would you say are some of the challenges that Surfside has that you are working on towards, you know, regarding any flooding issues and height restrictions for or height minimums for new builds, for homes. Surfside is uh, a city that has taken steps that no other city has done so far, and that's just out of necessity. I mean, we're a small little community, like I said, trapped between the ocean and the coast uh, and the bay. Um, we've seen what happened up in Fort Myers. So this commission has addressed this issue with actual action instead of just you know screaming Great. about global warming and climate change. Um, we've addressed it in a few different ways. Um, the first is to start with our with our uh, dunes, which is our first line of defense. And we're raising our dune levels, to, and that's going to stop, hopefully, some of the storm surges that come in during high tides. We've heightened the restrictions for the seawalls on the other side, which is our other line that protects us from the bay. Any new construction or construction over a certain percentage is required to meet these new regulations and requirements. 
we're trying to address that within the current uh, private homeowners. And that means that we're going out and trying to partner with some of our other neighboring cities to bring out some some engineers and, and some you know group pricing. If I can bring that bulk pricing to these people, it would be worthwhile to for them to raise it up. And at some point, you know, we can start talking requirements because you're only as strong as your weakest link. We've actually adopted the understory, which is something that you see in, you know, in um, in the Keys. And up in Fort Myers, that is where instead of the new height requirements for the house require houses to be up over, I think it's FEMA plus two, uh, which is about seven or eight feet above the sea level. Currently, what they're doing is they're filling that in with dirt and Mm -hmm. they bring the houses up, you know, a good 10 feet and you have a nice high house. But what we did is the understory, which better utilizes that space and allows you to open it up. You can park your car there. There can be some storage and that allows for more light and air within the community more permeability, more space for the rain to actually, you know, be uh, adapted and, and dried up into the land. So these are just a few of the different items that we've done. And and we're ahead of the curve on addressing uh, resiliency. That's great. I mean, for us, you know, we always give our clients the pros and the cons. So, you know, of I've course. No cons for Surfside, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, but just in South Florida living, you know, flooding is a major issue. And I think if you're not from here, you don't really understand how quickly things can flood and how important it is to have, you know, somebody in charge of the city that's really advocating for making change. Luckily for Surfside, you guys actually have very nice wide beaches. Some don't realize that beaches constantly have to be dredged and filled back in. Do you guys have any issues with any eroding of the beaches? So we had erosion like anywhere else, but we had just recently, a couple of years ago, came in, the county came in, the Army Corps of Engineering just filled up the whole beach and it was beautiful. I mean, what you see now is, you know, it's it's hard for us to go on vacation because where are we going to go that's better than where we are? Yes. No, you definitely have one of the nicest beaches. That doesn't stop sure. my wife from, you know, stop asking for vacation. But I think <laughs> I think we're as good as it's going to get. But we are addressing, we have a study right now to find our weak points in town, you know, the, where, where it floods. So we can address that with uh, new pumps and new uh, drainage systems within the town. And this is being addressed. Tell us a little bit about some sustainability practices that have been incorporated in the town of Surfside. You know, it is a beach town. I think there is a turtle migration maybe that happens in the area. Can you tell us a little bit about that and sort of who's spearheading that in order to protect the beaches? So we have our, you know, that we have people that go out four or five in the morning. They find the turtle nests. They, they, we, there's turtle nesting season. And during that time we go out, we protect those nests. We fence them in. We ensure that the lights within the building on the coast, you know, there's certain laws about that to ensure that the baby turtles don't go the wrong way. So cute. Uh I remember that as a kid, actually. We would go with our grandparents to the Mm -hmm. beach and try to like watch the turtles run, you know, into the water. You remember that? Yep. I've Um, never seen that. um, Oh, it's pretty magical. But one of the programs that we try to put in was, you know, again, we started with safety to the residents and, and enhancing quality of life. So we added lights on the beach path, which haven't We've never been. We've been one of the only darkest beaches. You know, you, residents can use it past a certain hour, especially in the winter. It gets pitch black at 530. Right. You know, we're concerned about their safety. So we put in these turtle lights. They're solar, turtle friendly. They weren't cheap, but uh, that will <laughs> enhance the experience for the residents and, and conserve, you know, for, for nature. Like I said, we are working on the dune resiliency plan and that's all part of it. So you guys have so many fun events that go on in the city. You guys have a weekly farmer's market, I believe, on Sundays. Weekly farmer's market. We tripled. So years ago, I mean, uh, talk numbers, we made about a million dollars. Surfside is one of the few municipalities that collect the tourist dollars on their own. Um, we use that to fund certain things such as our, our community center, which is open to tourists, events, marketing. 
the budget was set years ago back when we were bringing in maybe a million dollars a year, a million and a half. I mean, we're at closer to six now. Wow. We've enhanced that budget and told the tourist board to enhance the programming. And, you know, our, our programs are next level now. I mean, the people are coming in from all different cities. And of course, they're welcome. Uh, margaritas, singers, dancers, uh, things for, uh, you know, everybody of all ages. We have, you know, uh, for the children, for the adults, for the seniors. Every event is geared towards everybody in the town. And we've added new programming, uh, Surfside Under the Stars event, which was, I think we did six different programs, but it was just so popular we added more of them into that uh, line. We have Third Thursdays, which is a huge thing. Um, We do a lot of programs on the beach. We'll do music on the beach events and just weekend beach events. You know, again, things for kids, painting, um, music, uh, drum circles, food, free food, free drinks. It's been a huge success and it brings out the community. It connects us with the people that are here to visit our town and people from neighboring towns. And it's, it's been a beautiful thing. I'm guilty as a uh, resident of a neighboring town of Bay Harbor Islands. I go to these events. My daughter, who's six years old, she wants to go to these events. She asks about the events. When's the next event on the beach? When's the next event with the bounce house? Some of these neighboring towns, what they do is they just want things just for their town. One of the things I really admire with Surfside is that they spend their money on their residents, but don't exclude outsiders from enjoying uh, the fun that's going on in Surfside. So for one, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. <laughs> I love it. I didn't realize that if you were visiting that you can also go to the community center. So it's actually a great idea if you're thinking about moving to Surfside to maybe stay in a hotel in Surfside. The laws for the spending of the tourist dollars are kind of strict. Anything that we do with that money has to be for tourism and tourist related. So when we fund things like the community center, that is open to tourists. So if you're staying in a hotel, you get a band, you come in. You can enjoy, you know, the kids' water slide. You can enjoy the the adults' water slide. You can enjoy our pool. You know, we ask you to come out to these events. It's what makes it special. We recently moved our events, and and this was for years. I mean, Third Thursday was a program that happened. It was at a different level, but it used to be on 95th Street. You know, we came in and we're like, we changed the location just because there was an active driveway on 95th Street. The, the The parking lot was smaller. We moved it right in front of Town Hall. It's easier to control, block the streets, make it safer for the kids. They're not running off into traffic on Collins Avenue. And it's been a massive success, so much so that, you know, I, w- I would like to we've considered repaving 93rd Street because that's becoming the new the hub. Uh, center in the hub. And, and it brings everyone because it's centered in town. People are walking to it. It's only a block or two from each of the hotels. And it's, it's nice to see people walk in. I bump into people from North Shore, North Miami Beach, Hialeah, everywhere. One of the things that I notice is going on right now. Growing up, I would play uh, basketball, actually, at one of the. Uh, parks in Surfside, even though I lived in Bell Harbor, but I prefer to go to the Surfside Park. For many years, that Surfside Park did not change. I see now it's completely under construction. Uh, Can you talk upon what's going on with that Surfside Park? When do we expect that to be finished and what residents could expect to see once that is finished? So I think about eight or nine years ago is when I joined the Parks and Recreation Department. Prior to that, they had already started talking about this new park on 96th Street. Uh, They redesigned it. Our terms are two years. So the next commission would come in and they would start redesigning it and that would start the process. And of course, we all know the balls in government roll very slowly and the wheels turn for year after year, commission after commission. They kept wanting to go back to the residents and hear what they had to say. And they changed it. And every commission had a new idea of what it should be. Ten years later, you know, you fast forward and we still don't have a park. It still hasn't been worked. It went from a two million dollar project to four and a half. And I think we were at nine million. Now we finally settled. But we came in and we just pulled the trigger. We said, if we don't like the slide, we'll switch it out after. But we're going to have a beautiful new park. Park, 
a new center within the park for more programming for the children, for the seniors. We're going to have a kayak launch with kayaks and paddle boards for the for the residents to take out. Amazing. It's, it's very nice. Yeah, the, the brand new apparatus is state of the art. It's, it's going to be a beautiful park. We're hoping to have that first quarter of next year. It seems like you are pretty financially healthy compared to maybe some other cities. Yeah, Surfside used to be the uh, poor little brother of uh, Bay Harbor, Mount <laughs> Harbor. But uh, that changed with the development. I think it was um, the Grand Beach came in, Four Seasons had come in. And these are all, you know, additional uh, revenues to the town. Most of these places aren't homesteaded. They're, they're much higher end. They're bringing in the tourist dollars. They're bringing in tax dollars. And and thank God we're very financially stable. We have a lot of capital programs going on now, new parks that are coming in, you know, new centers that we're building. And we're putting that money back into the residents. Yeah, I think it's a great example of showing how the positive side of development for those who maybe don't like change, how, you know, really those living in the community and those in the surrounding communities like you get to benefit from it. You there know? was a mentality. I mean, because we're coming from a town that, that historically did not have that budget so there was a mentality with the older commissions to just kind of save and hoard and save and hoard but you have to understand the government has to spend it and at a certain point when the the accounts you know the different accounts reach a certain limitation they have to go so you're either going to pay for new office furniture for you know town staff for the fifth time for that year (laughs) or it can go back into the community and we can all see we just put up um, we actually partnered up with a developer that was uh, building something in town and he contributed and put uh put the money forward for exercise equipment all over the beach and all over town so we're trying to promote you know healthier living within town get people out walking uh that was something that i really thought of throughout covid when people were locked up and you know the only exercise you got was maybe walking outside for a half hour yeah and i said we're not going to live like that anymore so we we went ahead and we pushed these exercise equipments on the beach end so as you're doing your walk and uh, through town and from you know north to south, you can stop at these apparatuses and do all kinds of exercises. It's like a mini version of Venice Beach. <laughs> way better than Venice Beach. I've been there. This is way better. Than <laughs> I will say I just walked on the beach uh, the other day and noticed the new uh, workout equipment that's on the corner ends of all the dead end streets that meet up with the beach. And it's a nice little touch. You know, um, I think the world's expensive right now. It's nice to be able to walk on the beach, which doesn't cost you anything. It's nice to go to the community center. It doesn't cost you anything. You could swim, you could have fun, your family could have fun. You want to work out, you walk down on the beach and now you have workout equipment. So it's really nice in an expensive world that there's still things that you could do, entertainment that you could have that's not costing you too much money. Everybody in Surfside is a millionaire now. You know, if you bought your home 50 years ago for $30,000 or even myself at a, at a different price point, everybody's house is worth well over a million and a half dollars. So there's a certain expectation for a quality of life that I think people, you know, expect and people deserve. And that's what we're trying to focus on. Like you said, there's exercise equipment on the beach. We're building a full gym with, you know, weights. And, and that is something that we're trying to do is keep our residents happy, keep them healthy, keep them coming out to events, new parks, new, new things. And just keep smiles on everybody's faces yeah. I mean, while being fiscally responsible. Exactly. It's a balance. One actually yeah. surprising thing I learned about is that there's actual surfing in Surfside. I had no idea. There is a surf teacher that comes out and teaches that. Yes. I know. I need to try it out. And if you come out on a windy day, you'll see all the wind surfers out there. It's It looks like a lot of fun. Sounds amazing. Well, I think Surfside, you know, from growing up here, 
was undervalued for so many years. Where else can you have a house that's two blocks away from the beach that was at the time, you know, under a million dollars? No, no other place. And I think COVID woke everybody up. And when you had people that were coming from New York and New Jersey and Chicago and L.A., and they came upon this town and they said, oh, my goodness, like this is a very cute town. It's only for a million dollars now, even a million and a half. It's a steal. You go to New York, you have a townhouse in Brooklyn. First of all, the weather's terrible, but I apologize for anyone that's <laughs> offended by that. But you have this townhouse and the skies are gray and people aren't the nicest to you. And now you could come to Florida and this is what you could get for your money. It's a no brainer. So it's nice to see that I think Surfside and the surrounding areas finally went from being undervalued to being at market rate. You've been in office now a little over a year and you have another year until re-election, hopefully. What excites you that you're working on for the next year ahead? Uh, the walkability, again, that was something that brought me into office. I don't want to see, you know, we're getting, unfortunately, we've had some incidences with kids on scooters. We're trying to address scooter safety within, you know, the parents. Our chief of police has spoken at the synagogues and schools, at the community to try to educate, but kids will be kids. And it's my job to create a, a safe environment for them. And that's really what we're working on. The expansion of our town, you know, we want to see, we want to see it grow in that healthy method. And I think we have a good vision and a good uh, backing with the commission for that. And I'm excited to see the future of that. Yeah, us too. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> One of the beautiful things that I like about Surfside is when I drive to work in the morning, Yes, that's me in the golf cart driving to work. Uh, I see a lot of children on their bicycles and scooters heading across the bridge to go to Bay Harbor Elementary School. Uh, this is a school that's K through eight, is a free school that's A rated, and is one of the main reasons that people do like to move to uh, a town like Surfside because they don't have to pay for school. They know that their children are getting a great education and it brings you back to the time that your kids to, could ride their bike to school and you feel safe. That's a good point. Bay Harbor, Ruth K. Broad Bay Harbor is one of the top rated schools in Florida. Uh, one of our teachers actually just won Teacher of the Year Award from Miami-Dade County. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah, it's 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 I've got three kids that went through there. It's It's an amazing school. Two of them are still in there. I've got nothing but praise for it. It did attract a lot of people, and that's why you start seeing people fill up in Bay Harbor and Surfside. And that is definitely, I wouldn't call it one of our amenities, but it is, uh, is, a, it is a big positive to living in this area. I have a lot of clients, Amber has a lot of clients, that the first thing on the top of their mind when we mentioned Surfside before, they didn't know what Surfside was. Now they know as we spoke about beforehand with the Surfside collapse. What is your general feeling? Is this a safe place? Would you have your family live in condominiums that are on the ocean? I know this has never happened before in uh, the United States. It's close to my heart because I had tenants uh, that were renting in the building at the time. And thank goodness they weren't there when the building went down. But it's something that everybody asked us. They said, hey, you know, look what happened in Surfside. How do I know that this building is going to be safe for us? And I didn't know if the town has done anything to kind of give people uh, peace of mind. You know, the downside to a small town is when something like that happens, everybody knows somebody that was in there. We have friends that were in there. Uh, you know, it hit the community pretty, pretty hard because everybody has connections with somebody in there. But, you know, through that tragedy, you've, you know, if you're not learning and if you're not growing from that, then it would have been a waste. We don't want that to be a waste. Our building guy was an official. 
was instrumental in the changes that happened in Miami-Dade County, which have since been adopted by the state, which is uh, reducing the amount of years that these buildings are required to be inspected. Because without getting into details, there were so many factors to this this one-off incident that happened. But ultimately, it comes down to lack of maintenance. You know, there was there was a lot of different factors. But if you're gonna ignore the needs of your building, you know, it, it's not going to end well. You know, there are this same architect, same materials. We have sister cities, uh, sister buildings that were designed by the same people that are in much better shape because they took care of their building. My, my advice is if you're going to go into a condo here in South Florida, just make sure that they've had their assessments, uh, that they've gone there, they've done their inspections. They have the money in reserves to do that. You cannot be cheap. You know, when you sit in a position when you're on a board, you cannot, you know, uh, hold back because you want to be reelected and not spend the money. You need to ensure the safety. That is your job, you know, in, in government, on a board, your job is to ensure the safety of the building and you can't cheap out on that. Um, unfortunately, what was happening is a lot of these uh, foreigners, I guess, would own the units and they would sit on the board and they didn't want to spend that money. They were investment properties for them. It took a while for the residents to take back over that board and, and try to focus on safety. But unfortunately, it was too late at that point. So, you know, if you're moving in, just make sure that your building has been on top of that. But again, the town has put certain elements in place. We are focused on safety. We have a lot of construction going on. We're requiring um, seismic monitoring of the neighboring properties because that they're claiming was a contributing factor. So we're keeping that in mind. We're making sure that when they do uh, the foundation, there's no more pile driving. There's no more drilling. This is soil mixing, you know, new technology, which is less evasive. Um, it's more expensive, but again, we live in a, in a beautiful town and an expensive town. So these developers aren't, uh, cheaping out on us and, and they're putting the money in to do these projects, right? You know, any condo that is, they're all preempting and doing their inspections. Now, anybody that comes forward with a life safety issue or, or any, you know, improvements that need to be done on that level, the town encourages them to go ahead, shore up the building, start your process. We will work on the permits afterwards with you, but start the process immediately. So we're, we're advancing that through. I think development has changed over the years from back then. I don't think these new buildings have uh, the same structural issues and complexities that the other ones did. We tell our clients when they buy a condo, join the board, make sure that you're Get involved. involved. Yeah. You know, uh, ignorance is not an excuse anymore. So find out if you don't want to join the board, then make sure that you go to the board meetings that they have so you know what's going on in the building. It is oh. important. I speak to kids all the time. You know, the difference between state government, uh, national government, local government is very important because everything addresses something within your town. And I think with condos, that's even uh, more so, right? Because you need to stay on top of what they're fixing, what they're ignoring, uh, what they're putting their money into. And, and that is how you get involved. Yeah, have a voice. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. We really do appreciate you making the time and stopping by. It was my pleasure. Thank Thanks you. for having me on board. Yes, we'll have you again. Absolutely. Very exciting. Thank you very much. Join the family and tune into our podcast today. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you download your podcasts. Follow us on social media at Zypher Burger Team.